Right, hello and welcome to another Lockdown Generation Gap programme here with me, Clive, and again this time with Chloe. Hello, Chloe. Hello. And in this programme, we generally talk about things on the basis of seeing if we can identify differences or similarities between our generations. In my long experience on this programme now, I found actually that we often have much more in common than we realise. And it's actually the other generations in the middle where perhaps we have some disagreements. But anyway, let's see what, how we go on. We're not going to talk about the lockdown and all these other things that we've been going through for the last 12 weeks now, but we're going to talk about one of the um, sort of nicer things that's happened now, because as things are beginning to ease, and that is, and I'm really pleased about this, the zoos have now been able to open, and in particular, Whipsnade Zoo, which is the nearest one to us, um, has opened as of this week. And I'm really pleased about that because I know the, the um, they're obviously part of a charity, the um, Zoological Society of London, which has been around for a long time. In fact, I looked it up. It started in 1826. So that's quite a long wow. time. Wow. Long time. Mildly, yeah. Absolutely. And Whipsnade opened in 1931. So it's, it's about 90 years now. Um, so that's quite interesting. And I think that uh, I want to just have a quick chat about Whipsnake, because I know you know it as well as as I do, mm-hmm. um, and also perhaps we'll move on to think talking about zoos and and animal parks in general, because I think that is one of those areas where obviously young people, particularly who are very environmentally minded these days, are in a bit of two minds about zoos and what they do and what they don't do, and I think that's probably an interesting discussion. So let's kick off in Whipsnade. What do you think about it? Oh, I love Whipsnade. I absolutely, I, I just love the zoo, full stop, I and mean, especially Whipsnade because what I what I really enjoy about that particular zoo is the animals have like room to roam around, and it's um and it's a very friendly zoo, and 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 they and they really, I think they really do treat their animals very well, and um and and also just the variety of animals there is amazing. I mean, my favorite animal has always been the sea lions because I think they're incredible, but you know, it's just amazing to see all these types of animals from all across the world, and they're there right on your doorstep. I'm embarrassed to say that I think I know the names of the sea lions, although the the older one, which was there for a long time, called Barkley, died yeah. a few years ago. I remember. Um, but um, yes, I mean they they do their show. I don't know if they're doing their show at the moment. I imagine they could, but they probably have to separate people in the audience if they are doing that. Um, presumably, you've seen that before. Oh, of course, a million times. I know Barkley was definitely my favourite. I was gutted when I found out he passed away. It was like part of my childhood had gone. I was like, oh my god, no. But um, no, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if they would be able to do the show, as you said. You know, keeping people apart. But you know, with the um, less numbers in the zoo, they might still be able to do it. I don't know. Yeah, well, obviously, over the time they've been closed to the public, they've obviously had to have all the keepers or a large number of keepers have got to be there because obviously they've got to look after all the animals. and They've been doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been interested to see some of the stories about the zoo and what's been happening there. For example, um, the um, elephants generally, if you've been there, I'm sure you've seen the elephants being walked around. And they do this towards the sort of late afternoon. They take a bunch of elephants and walk them slowly around the um, whole zoo as a way of giving them some exercise, but also I think mm. as a way of stimula- stimulating them a bit because they probably get a bit bored within their own environment, even though the elephant area is very large. Um, and I saw that they've actually found there's other animals they've been doing this to over the time. Um, and the other day they walked all the giraffes around the zoo for several hours. Oh, oh, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> I think there's probably a video of that somewhere. I haven't, I'm not sure, but I, I, I did see about it. And I thought that was really fun because presumably the, the um, giraffes all live in their own little area. Mm. They have no idea about all the other things going on around them. 
Well, no, I mean, everyone's seen on YouTube and Facebook and whatever, there's been um, videos across the world where zoos have taken the opportunity of no customers and taking different animals around to meet other animals to see what else is out there. And they've been absolutely amazed by each other. Like, because of course, you know, they stay to their area and then they're not aware of what's on their own doorstep. So I think that was a beautiful opportunity for them to be able to give the animals just a little bit more insight into the world that they're in at the moment which I thought was pretty cute and also when you watch the videos and how they react to one another it's like oh that's I mean you would wonder what they would do and you get it there on video which is great it's interesting isn't it when, when we watch animals we we sort of um, personalize them there's a word for it which I can't remember um, where we sort of think we know what they're thinking we can see from their sort of facial expressions or the way they move or or some mm. things we, we get a real good feeling about what it is that they're thinking and i think we're probably not wrong in many cases and um, that is quite interesting introducing them to each other as you say yeah. um, one of the th one of the things i love was a story i think it was some particular t variety of goats yes and they were so so upset that there was no visitors going on and then groups of them started to go every morning to walk up to the entrance and sort of wait for people to come in and oh. then after a while they, they drifted away because they're obviously disappointed no one came in oh, some of the, some of the keepers then started having to go around and sort of cuddle them a bit and sort of really sort of um treat them i suppose almost sort of a bit of a mental treatment it's a bit of psychology sort of yeah. give them stroke them and cuddle them a bit to make them feel welcome and so on Yes, I, I saw I saw a video of that as well. Yeah, the keepers giving them hugs and going. I mean, the thing is, some animals are gonna be really bothered by it all because you know some of them have been uh, living in Whipside their whole lives. So the fact that there's no people I and mean, it's gonna throw them off, but then other animals are gonna quite enjoy the privacy. So it's gonna be it's gonna be swings and roundabouts for each of them, I think. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's talk about Whipsnade. Obviously, it's, it is um, a very large place. It says on its website, I've just seen it's 600 acres. Mm. And they bought the site in the 1920s um, because London Zoo was already seen to be a bit small. And I mean, in comparison with Whipsnade, it's tiny, really. It is. And, I know London Zoo has opened as well, but they're limiting the numbers there very, very strictly. And there's lots of places there where it's really quite tight as you walk around. So I imagine that that's not going to be such a good experience at all. Mm. Um, but I'm glad they're both open because obviously they do need the money because the costs of running the place with just sort of feeding all the animals and so on, especially those really fussy ones. Yeah. You have to import import sort of funny foods for them. Probably eucalyptus leaves. I don't I'm not sure they actually got any koala bears there, but I should come think of it. But um, some animals are very, very fussy indeed. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I looked at a documentary this morning, or just a quick news report this morning, and it said that in Edinburgh Zoo alone, per year, they spend £55,000 on food for the animals. And that's literally just the food, because some of them are fussy. And, you know, especially the pandas, they eat like tons and tons of food each day, and they need to keep keep them up uh, keep their diet up so that alone uh money wise i mean i mean yeah they're, they're eating a lot out over there that doesn't really sound like an awful lot of money to me in some ways i mean you've got a horse you look after obviously mm -hmm. and so all the things you do for that one animal that's quite a large one multiply that by you know 500 a thousand two thousand whatever i don't know how many animals there are in um, the zoos i know mm. london zoo london zoo always closes one day doesn't it, every year to yes. do an inventory so they count all the animals yeah. Which always strikes me as amusing because obviously you can count the monkeys or you can count the goats or something, but counting all the stick insects might be a bit problem. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> want that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you said your favourites are the sea lions. What, what others do you like? 
Oh, put me on the spot now. I mean, obviously traditional, like the elephants and the giraffes and, um, oh, I don't know. I've, I've always quite liked the otters. I think they've had uh, quite a good character about them. And I always like going in the creepy crawly section and looking at all the creepy animals because the snake, because uh, when you go through one of the barriers around the corner, there was always that snake in the glass cabinet that would always be waiting for you and scare the living daylights out of you as you walk through so i mean i'm 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 happy to see any of them to be quite honest any of them uh, around would be great i think there's a whole um sort of generation of your generation who've grown up having seen the harry potter film with the snake coming out of the glass in london yes. zoo <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I think I think a lot of kids have stood there and pretended to speak to the snake and think the snake can understand. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think I've personally done it, but I've definitely seen it a number of times when I've gone there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my, my favourites actually are the uh, brown bears, which are European brown bears. Yes, and they do. Exi- they do exist in the wild in some of the sort of mountain areas, places like Poland. Mm. Um but there's not that many of them at all, and they're, they're lovely bears. And of course, they're actually quite large. I mean, they're sort of if they stood up, they're sort of eight or nine feet tall. Mm. So you probably wouldn't want to go and cuddle them. But I mean, they they look like they're sort of cuddly animals. Um, I mean, they do. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know why uh, in society they uh, encourage children to buy cuddly toys that uh, look like bears and all fluffy and adorable. And you see one in real life, it's like, no, don't go near it because it will it will kill you. So, so no, no, it's a bit, bit of a bad association, I think, for kids on that one. <laughs> Not a very good life lesson for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing to me is over the last few years, they've got an area which has got um, sort of traditional, if that's quite the word, animals which used to live in the UK and then mm. aren't in the wild anymore and of course there are plans particularly in scotland to sort of rewild places by introducing animals back into the uh sort of wild mm. and the trouble with this is some of them are like like the wolves and obviously farmers are not terribly excited by the idea of having wolves wandering around but no it'd be quite it'd be quite interesting mm. and there's i forgot i'm just trying to think what the other ones are and the bears are another one of those mm. um, but of course the bears if they're very hungry may well go around and grab a baby sheep or something as well so possibly the farmers wouldn't be happy with that either no i don't think i don't think any farm would be very pleased about that to be honest but it's the reason in scotland that they're overrun with deer mm. because the deer haven't got any natural predators which used to be foxy uh, sorry wolves and, oh okay um, so it's an argument of sort of putting the balance back and the other wonderful one is the um the elk or are they called moose i can't remember what they're called we call them mooses in North America, but it's the same animal. Yeah. It's very tall. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they call them elks here. I don't know why. Perhaps I'm getting muddled up with Lord of the Rings or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't tell you the answer to that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So let's see. Now, the idea of keeping animals in captivity. A few years ago, I'm, I'm thinking probably about 10 years ago now, there was quite a big movement in sort of schools, particularly where children learnt about this and obviously went to zoos and then came back really disgusted with the whole idea and think it's absolutely awful that mm. we're keeping animals in cages and small enclosures and they should be let out in the wild and it's really quite disgusting. And this was a bit of a, a sort of thing for a while. I'm not sure if it's still around in the same way because obviously... Um, some of the zoos, particularly some of the private ones, they do tend to have quite small enclosures and you see the yeah. animals clearly aren't very happy. Um, actually, I remember a London zoo seeing the polar bears um, were really, really just walking up and down, up and down, up and down, round and round in relatively small enclosure. And mm. I think it didn't didn't need to be a psychologist to work out they weren't very happy. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, 
that to me is obviously a, a, an argument which is, is reasonable to make. But the, the counter argument is obviously zoos, particularly the London Zoo, Whipsnade Zoo, they mm. do a lot more than just keeping animals in the site because mm. what they do is also they do a lot of research and they do help the animals out in the wild and they have lots of projects where they go out to the places where these animals live and mm. help sort of breed new ones sometimes in the zoo and reintroduce them this kind of stuff yeah um, and that's, that's preserving species which sometimes are really um endangered quite seriously um there was last year i think or the year before the very last of a particular species of rhino died for example in a zoo mm. yeah it'd been wiped out in the wild mm. um, and the scary thing for me is when i read that actually elephants african elephants are down to a few tens of thousands, which sounds like quite a lot, but it's actually quite a small number. Yeah. And they are actually, they're actually endangered. Yeah. And the way their habitat's being knocked down and so on, um, you know, it would not be impossible that sort of my grandchildren or your children or grandchildren would live in a world with no elephants. Mm. And that's just an awful thought to me. I don't know about you. Well, I mean, personally, especially the zoos in the UK, like especially when you look at places like Whipsnade and things like that, I understand what they're doing and I, I I personally think it's a good idea that we have zoos because it makes people aware of the animals that are out in the world as well. Because I think, I mean, being told about something and then being actually shown it, I mean, because like, for instance, if you take Whipsnade, not only do they have the animals there, but they're very educational to the children. Like they put up signs, they, they explain like, you know, where these animals are from, what their diets are, but also how endangered they are and um, and what kind of habitat they usually would be in and what we need to do as humans to change our ways. I mean, like, for instance, with poachers and climate change and all of that. So when it comes to zoos, I personally, I, I think I'm on the side of encouraging zoos and keeping them going uh, as long as they're to a certain standard. Like, for instance, in the UK with, with Whipsnade, um, I know someone who worked at Whipsnade Zoo and he said what they're trying to do over there now is um, slowly not be as involved with the animals as they have been in the past so they're trying not to have too much human contact with them as possible because they want to want them to feel as natural to their normal habitat as possible so they're they're trying not to uh, play with them as much not to do as many tricks with certain animals like for instance the elephants because they want them to enjoy their life as if they were out in the wild now I don't know if this is because years to come they're going to think about maybe putting them back in the wild I, I don't know but for that I think that does make sense but then you look at other countries with their zoos like for instance I went to Benidorm a couple of years ago and in that uh, and in that particular zoo they um they encourage you to go into some of the enclosures with them like you're able to go in with the lemurs and have them climb on your head and you're able to go stroke the dolphins and you could have a private session with sea lions and go swimming with them now of course that's all amazing and the animals seemed really happy that they were you know like hanging around humans but it's comparing the two from one side of we're having no contact at all so they know exactly what it's like to be the animal that they are to the other end where they're being encouraged to play with humans but that then means they get more money coming in to protect the animals it's like which one's right you know yeah yeah i get what you're saying i think also the other thing to remember is of course that um we said mentioned earlier i mean whipsnade has been around for 90 years mm. and obviously the animals living there now almost all of them have basically been bred in captivity either at Whipsnade or another zoo mm. there's very few that they're actually coming from the wild so to some extent you know that the sort of climate and everything they're used to is the one they're living in now and obviously instinctively they may have some feelings that 
it would be much nicer if it was really hot here. Mm, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, that sort of thing. But, I mean, clearly um, they're reacting to their surroundings as they are. And yeah. although they perhaps they do feel some restlessness that they wouldn't like to get around. I mean, I think if you go to the tiger enclosure, obviously tigers are very endangered. Mm. Um, and they have to be fenced in quite well, of course, there. They've got a double or triple fence around them because they're very dangerous potentially. Uh, but the ones that are there now, I remember actually when they, they were born as cubs, they had three cubs. I think cubs is the right word for a yes, yeah. tiger, isn't it? Yes. Um, and I think two, the two there now are two of those cubs. So they've grown up there completely. But if you read these signs, um, a tiger in the wild will go and roam over an area of perhaps 80 miles. Yeah. There is obviously no way that we can provide um, places like that with 80 miles for them to wander around if we, if we wanted to. So there is a sort of limitation on what you can do. They've got a very large enclosure there, even by Whipsnade standards. Yeah. Um, but obviously it is confining. But at the same time, it, the reason they've roamed so far is because they're looking for food. Yes. And they get served up food in the zoo quite well. Um, and uh, I always remember an occasion when I was standing outside the tiger enclosure and for some reason, um, someone was walking a donkey along the road by the side of it. And the tigers got really excited and they rushed up to the side of the cage, <laughs> looking, at, looking at it, licking their lips, yeah. thinking it was going to be, going to be their food. <laughs> oh, bless them. I bet their day was ruined. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <yeah. laughs> um, so, so, I mean, that's the, the basis of this. And obviously, um, I mean, for example, there's a project where people are, one of the universities, they're, they're trying to take the DNA of every single animal species in the world mm. over a very long period, I'm sure, um, because they're doing that sort of research. And so I suppose it's a bit Jurassic Park. They're thinking if, you know, something dies out, then we can recreate it in future, can't we? Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's a really good idea, but um, it's that Well, yeah, proven thing. by Jurassic Park, I don't think that's the greatest idea. <laughs> well, it depends what species you decide to bring back. I mean, in South, um, South Africa... Mm. There is a project where they definitely want to bring back um, the, um, I think, is it the okapi or something like that? It's some sort of um, very traditional deer. Oh, okay. Um, and I know in Russia they're trying to bring back the um, woolly mammoth. Oh, really? And I think that would be quite interesting, um, obviously, seeing them wander around if you did that. But, of course, we don't really know what their temperament was like. We no. assume that they are. They're quite nice, cuddly sort of, well, not cuddly, but they're sort of quite um, docile things like cows. Mm. Um, but really, they're gigantic elephants with big horns. Yes. Um, and fur. And lots of fur. <laughs> well, it's Siberia. Um, so these sort of things are part of the one end of the research type things going on to understand all the animals in every detail. Mm. Um, but also it is to try and help them, but helping them by preserving their species so that they can still exist. Of course, the easy way of doing that for us would be to not keep chopping down forests and things like and, that. And not having poachers. I mean, that would be a good start. Well, yes, but the problem is, of course, with that, I'm not going to um, sort of go on the side of poachers, but you can understand sometimes in some areas where these people um, are living, they're really desperate for food, frankly. Mm. And so they anything they can find to eat, they will obviously try and go after it. And so that's the other problem. If we fed everybody in the world somehow, Perhaps mm. they wouldn't be doing these things. Um, oh dear, we're getting onto a very big, big world problem now, aren't we? I we mean, are indeed. We are. We're moving sure on. <laughs> feed everybody in the world so they don't, they don't need to go out and start killing off at the animals, which are particularly the rare ones. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, 
in the sort of overall environmental things, I have no idea what your views are on environmental things, um, mm -hmm. what you've just been talking about. It seems to me that um, the balance between preserving and looking after animals and letting them go out into the wild where they may all be killed anyway is quite difficult to, to balance. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a terrifying thought, really. I mean, that's probably why I'm so um, towards wanting to keep the zoos going, because at least you know the animals are safe and they're being kept and they've been nurtured and looked after. But, I mean, if you send them out into the wild, I mean, as you said, they could all get wiped out in a second because if they don't know how to defend themselves, if they don't know what to look out for. I mean, also as well, if animals have been brought up around humans and then they're put in the world and they see humans, they might think those humans are there to give them food or to give them, you know, support and, and go up to them and they might not be the right human to go say hello to, you know. So, it, I mean, there there is a divide and I see both sides of the argument, but it, it is a tricky situation. Yeah, that's actually a very good point, of course, and that's probably why, um, as you said, your friend was telling you in the zoo, they were trying to sort of withdraw some elements of human contact. Mm. Um but of course, many of the animals, I mean, you, you know, you have dogs and dogs over many, many thousands of years, um, if not longer, have been trained to work with humans and like humans and, and you know, we like them as well. Yeah. And so to some extent, you couldn't chuck all the dogs out into the wilds completely. No, you could not, especially not my lot. <laughs> no, you couldn't do it. I mean, I think I think as well with dogs, they've I mean, it's been like thousands of years like you know over time that you know they they were out in the wild and they became a pet and then they became like they were guard dogs and then they became your family dog to the point where they lived in your home and and now they depend on you completely so that has been like hundreds and hundreds of years instilled into their brain that humans are you know as they say um, a dog is a man's best friend like humans are there to look after you and you are there to protect them you know and that and that's what they know so if you threw a dog back into the wild so off you go they'd be so lost they'd I mean it's it's in their DNA it's in their uh, it's in their mindset now to to trust humans and and to rely on humans to an extent and that is obviously what's happened to most of the animals in the zoo because all of them do have human helpers to come to um, look after them well, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's, all, yes. that's all they've ever known. Right. Yes, it's certainly an interesting idea. Well, um, now I wonder, are you thinking of going to the zoo sometime? Now it is open, you know. Yes, I am going to get there as soon as I can. But I, I was told that apparently um, the moment Whipsnade Zoo's website opened up for people to book, apparently so many people were booking, the website crashed, which is lovely to hear, of course, because it means that people are getting into sport. It. So as soon as I can find myself a slot, I'll be in there and uh, and and uh, supporting the zoo, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd like to do the same sometime. I mean, I think that um, it is certainly a worthwhile cause. And the Zoological Society, I have actually once been in, in London into their... Um, They've got a big sort of library. Mm. Um, it's a traditional library, but obviously they've got more things in there. But it goes back for, you know, well, 150 years, whatever. Um, they've got some really good old sort of leather bound books and so on. And all the scientists. I mean, Charles Darwin was one of their first members, for example. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and so obviously they've got this historical um, connection as well, which I think is really interesting and very valuable because they've got this huge depth of knowledge and they, they fund lots of scientific um uh, research as well mm. um, which which you can find all the details for but a lot of it's very complicated to me, well, to me anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean 
you know, it's very detailed stuff. So I think that the organisation, and I was quite worried. I mean, at one point there was a German zoo where I think it was perhaps a bit over the top, but they were threatening that if the government in Germany didn't give them some money real soon, they'd have to start killing the animals. And they were yeah. going to kill the kill the young, the smallest ones first and feed them to the old, the bigger ones. Mm. Um, I think that was a bit of a ploy, but nevertheless, you could see I at mean, some point yeah. it might come to that. That would, that would panic me if I heard that. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's sad that people have had to go to that extent to scare people that much to say, no, this is, this is, this is the reality. This is what's going to happen if, if you don't help us. And, and, and personally, I don't see why the government didn't support the zoos from the get-go because, as, as pointed out, they, they couldn't survive without people coming in to give them money to support the animals. I mean, it's not like it's trying to keep a building running or, a, or something that could come back again. It's, it, these are animals. These are living creatures that depend on humans to look after them. So, of course, they need the support. I, I don't see why they didn't get it from the get-go. Yeah, I have no idea what support they did get, but it was obviously wasn't in the top priority list by a long way. No, I mean, um, so many zoos I, in the country apparently said that if they weren't, if they didn't get any income coming in by summer, their money would have run out. And and then what would have happened? Would they have just opened the gates and let the animals go? It's just ridiculous. You can't just leave them. That's it. We'll let the lions out first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and just send one parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's four sitting around Trafalgar Square already. Um, yeah, they don't well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Anyway, well, Chloe, it's been really interesting. So um, thank you for that. And um, yeah, I think um, actually talking about this, I have thought, well, I haven't been out much recently for a long time other than sort of just locally. Mm-hmm. It'd be quite nice to go to the zoo. Mm, I'll have to think about that. It would. But if you try and book up now, it's probably going to be August or September before there's any slots, I imagine. Apparently, they're booked through to mid-August at the moment, I've been told, apparently. So, yeah, so probably, yeah, end of August time is probably when you're going to get your slot at this point. Right. Oh, well, that'd be interesting. Well, I suppose it might be worth trying to book it soon anyway. Okay, well, look, thanks for talking this again. And um, it's nice to speak to you again. And uh, you're always cheery as well. So you've obviously got through lockdown quite happily so far. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm all right. Well, yeah, I have noticed recently a few people who seem to be, it is getting to them. And I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for some people if mm. it hasn't already been. Um, okay, we're not going to talk about lockdown. Let's do no, it. <laughs> no, no lockdown. It's, it's not happening. We're going to pretend it's not happening at the moment. <laughs> right. And have you ever been to, well, the other thing I was going to ask you, I forgot, was have you ever been to one of those experiences at the zoo where you can go and you know clean out the um, tiger enclosure closure or something like that? No, I've never done that um um, the only thing I can say I have done is like go when you went to Woburn Safari Park where you could go into the enclosure of the birds and have the birds fly on you while you feed them so you know the parrots and things they have in there that's probably the closest I've been to uh, with animals and as I said when I went to Benidorm and I went into an enclosure and had lemurs climb on me that's probably the closest I've had to being closer to wilder animals I think you can have lemurs climbing on you at Whipsnade, actually, and near the entrance. They've got a big lemur area. Yes, they do have the lemurs there, but they don't encourage you to ask them to climb on you. It's like if they do stand very still, but yeah, they're very much like don't touch them. And, you know, uh, if they do jump on you, stay still till they get off you kind of thing. But I don't think they encourage it. Right. OK, yeah. Well, because I know um, somebody who did a, a day there as a keeper for the day mm. and they gave her all sorts of interesting jobs, including literally sort of mucking out the um, I think it was the tiger enclosure. Yeah. Part of that. Where, is the, where the lions were. It's lions, not tigers. Um, yes. Yeah, so 
probably no different from looking after your horse actually i mean i was gonna say i mean if i want the experience of mucking at an animal i can just go to my horse so i, I think i'm fine on that front <laughs> i mean feeding them would be interesting but mucking them out now i've got a, i've got a good experience in that actually Okay, I'm just trying to find a new career for you. Obviously, it's not uh, not not, not no no. I don't don't think I think I've already got that down. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Chloe, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you again, no doubt, in the near future. And uh, so you've been listening to the Generation Gap show here, which is a special lockdown. I shouldn't keep mentioning that word. Version uh, (laughs) without the music, basically, as well. And uh, thank you very much, Chloe. And um, yes, thank you for listening, and look out for our next episode.